Tuesday, December 20th, and I called it. My name is Peter Apple. That's Jack McMullen. Welcome to the Just Baseball Show. Not quite six years, $180 million for Carlos Rodon. Like I said, six years, 162. That's pretty good. Called it. Danthy Swanson of the Cubs. The other ones, I didn't call so good, but I still want to take credit for those two. Jack, how are you? I called it. I'm fine. I'm in Puerto Rico. I didn't call it like you did, Um, but... I am uh, sitting here. I've got a medalla in hand, which is the magic elixir that they serve here in San Juan. So I'm living my best life right now, and I won't let you rubbing Carlos Rodon in my face get in the way of that. Yeah, that's fine. We have a couple other signings to get to. Um, Normally, we do a lot of the GM episodes. We aren't exactly sure how many more GM episodes we will do because we had a ton of signings over the weekend, and we're going to go over all of them in this episode. Jack is on island time. He's got a beer in hand. I'm on the other side of the country with about four cups of coffee in me with Packers Rams on the mind, plus a lot of these MLB signings are on completely different wavelengths, but we're meeting together to talk about them. It's a Christmas miracle, right? Or for my fellow Jews, a Hanukkah miracle. Happy Hanukkah to you fine folks out here. Baruch Hatar and I, so on and so forth. Happy everything. Let's get straight into Carlos Rodon. Happy everything. Uh, so the Yankees agreed to a six-year, $162 million deal with, uh, what did I say? Carlos Rodon signed a six-year, $162 million with the New York Yankees, giving them the best rotation in all of Major League Baseball. Yes, I said it, and I'm here to debate it. You're going to lose the debate, though. Garrett Cole at the top, followed by Carlos Rodon. You have two ace-level pitchers, followed by Nestor Cortez Jr., who has flashed ace potential. Luis Severino, when he's on the field, that could be an ace, but the problem is staying on the field. And then you have Frankie Montas in the five, who came over from the Oakland A's in that big trade over the deadline and didn't show what he had shown in Oakland. This isn't another Joey Gallo, or at least I don't think it is. Yankee fans and all fans knew when they were possibly trading for Frankie Montas, they knew that the shoulder was an issue at the time. I think it still bothered him. I think he's going to come back next year and perform very well. But of course, the Yankees shouldn't be done signing because the problem in the playoffs was the offense. It wasn't necessarily the starting pitching, but getting a guy like Carlos Rodon gives them the best starting rotation in Major League Baseball. And as a White Sox fan, how did it feel? Um, That's a loaded question. It is. It was fine because the one that hurt more was seeing him do the thing uh, that he did this year in San Francisco because he should have done it with the White Sox. He he should have been extended the qualifying offer. Um, he was non-tendered by the White Sox and brought back on a one-year $3 million prove-it deal uh, two years ago, I want to say, maybe three years ago. But what Rodon has done to change the narrative about himself in a single season, and, and I remember talking about this 
this two-year $44 million deal with that mutual option, with that vesting option, um, where if he if he hit that innings threshold, then he was going to get the ability to opt out. Uh, and obviously he did, and obviously he got a massive payday. But, you know, it was so incentive-based, that contract with San Francisco, because his entire White Sox career – he didn't make it through years unscathed like that did not happen to him and i remember saying on this show when he signed that contract with san francisco i said it looks good right now but wait till august and when we were talking in april and you were like carlos rodon looks like a stud he looks like one of the best pitchers in baseball i said yeah right now let's talk in august when he's been shut down for a month already that never happened so the fact that this guy changed the narrative to the point where he was over $150 million in a single season tells you how stupidly talented he is. And I'm so happy for a guy that White Sox fans loved. The people I know that have interacted with Carlos Rodon love as a guy, uh, beloved by his teammates, beloved by his family, and a stupidly, stupidly talented pitcher getting his back. I, there's something to be said about that. And I commend the shit out of Carlos Rodon for doing so. Just to quantify what you're saying about the innings, totally right. In 2020, he threw seven innings. Of course, it was a shortened season, but seven innings is seven innings. 2019, 34 innings. 2018, 120. The year before that, 69 innings. Now, 2015, 2016, pretty much healthy. 26 starts, 28 starts. And then in the last two years, First with the White Sox and then with the Giants. With the White Sox, 132 innings and then 178 innings last year, which, of course, got him the big bag. So I said on this podcast as well, I want to give Carlos Rodon whatever he wants. I think there are questions with all starting pitchers. And what I know is that when he's pitching, he's as good of a left-handed starter that we have in our game. But again, I'm a Yankees guy. I might have blinders on. I thought it was a good deal. I thought it was even less than what I thought. The market was, there was a lot of five-year deals out there, and there was a couple of teams who would go to the sixth. And Rodon, he actually came out and said, or at least there was a report um, from the New York Post, that the Yankees were his preferred destination. So it ended up working great for both sides. The Yankees ponied up, gave him that sixth year, and Rodon wanted to be a Yankee. But I'm curious, from your perspective on the outside looking into this deal, do you think it was too much money? Like, I don't. No. But do you? No. Point blank, no. It was Good. not too much money. This is where the market was, and Carlos Rodon got paid in a market-appropriate way. Um, Carlos Rodon, that doesn't shock me at all, that he would have loved to pitch for the New York Yankees because this dude has some of the biggest perceived genitals that I've ever experienced, right? Like, this guy, when you watch him pitch, when you watch him MF opposing hitters and throw 99 miles an hour on pitch number 112 to blow it by somebody to, to complete a complete game or whatever pitch number it was. Um, this guy has balls and guys with balls can survive with the New York Yankees. I think that a lot of the people that flounder with the New York Yankees cannot take criticism. They cannot take um, constant pressure and I think that Carlos Rodon is the type that wants pressure and wants to self-manufacture pressure. I think any given start on a Tuesday day game when he was with the White Sox, this dude was trying to whip himself into a frenzy that you cannot come back from. It is that intense. And I think that that's what you can get every time you tow the rubber at Yankee Stadium or 
uh, donning a, a Yankee hat, right? I think that's what Rodon fed off of. I think that's what Garrett Cole feeds off of. Um, and I, I think that's what Aaron Judge kind of feeds off of. And Judge feeds off of it in a very different way, where Rodon and Cole are kind of cut from the firecracker cloth. Judge is cut from the silent assassin cloth. And I think that those three being the three faces of the Yankees moving forward, along with Nestor Cortez, who's cut from an entirely different cloth than anybody in Major League Baseball, uh, I think that serves as a massive success. And I do want to push back on you saying that Garrett Cole's an ace because I saw that MLB trade values had his value in the negatives. Yeah, well, we can go back on that and look at um, that trade simulator and see that Garrett Cole and Nestor Cortez Jr. for Max Kepler actually creates the same amount of value. So that is a big bunch of horseshit. But what isn't horseshit? But what isn't horseshit is expected ERA. And I want to just talk about it for a second because expected ERA is something that I look at a ton, whether I'm gambling on baseball or I think that it is a very good way to look at a pitcher. I like it better than FIP. I like it better than XFIP because what it is, it's a simple translation. And this is a definition from MLB.com. Simple translation of expected weighted on base average. Now, I don't want to bore you, but we have talked about XWOBA before. And what that does is it takes into the amount of contact, strikeouts, walks, hit by pitch, takes in your quality of contact, exit velocity, launch angle, in an attempt to credit the pitcher or hitter for the moment of contact, not for what might happen to that contact, thanks to other factors like the ballpark, the weather, or the defense. So... Guys who were really, really good last year, at least at the starting pitchers, who was ahead? Spencer Schreider, Christian Javier, Clayton Kershaw was really good. And then who's the next starter? Carlos Rodon, ahead of guys like Verlander, ahead of guys like Shohei Otani, Dylan Cease, Nestor Cortez Jr., Aaron Nola, Shane McClanahan. I just wanted to put the stamp of approval on Carlos Rodon, the ace. And I think at six years, $162 million, it was well worth the price and Yankee fans should be very excited. Was that, was that too much? That felt like a good, I said it slow, not too much. Hopefully people didn't turn off the podcast. Felt like that was pretty good. No. And, and the, the people that, um, this is my favorite. I just had this conversation with Taylor Davis. And by the way, go in the next couple of days, actually go check out show and go podcast that we're adding to this network. It's myself and Taylor Davis slash Peter for like episode two uh, or one, um, <laughs> like having these conversations. I'm out of commit. I'm on Island time, as Peter said, but yes. um, we're going to have a lot of these conversations with a guy that is currently playing baseball at a very high level. Like he's, you know, gotten consistent tastes of major league baseball. He is, as close to an on-field manager as you will find in minor league baseball. Uh, he is a longtime AAA guy, constantly getting up to the bigs. And he is, he's got a future in managing and in being an executive, like whatever he wants in baseball, because he garners respect in clubhouses. And I just had this conversation with him about analytics being used as this umbrella term. And I, I just think it's so funny because like people say, oh, the analytics don't tell you anything. Do you want to know the all time leaders in WRC plus? It's sure. everybody that's fucking good at baseball. Shocker. Like Babe Ruth, number one, Ted Williams, number two, Lou Gehrig, three, Mike Trout, Rogers Hornsby, Barry Bonds, Mickey Mantle, Ty Cobb, 
Joe Jackson. Like, are you serious? They're all good baseball players. So yeah, expected ERA, like chances are, if you've got something like expected ERA, you can't tell me that means nothing because all those guys that you mentioned at the top, they're all really fucking good at pitching this year. They're all really good at pitching. And the thing is with that is, you know, if you have a really bad defense behind you and you give up a weak grounder and your shortstop sucks, does that mean that you didn't do your job as a pitcher? Like, that's how we have to look at it. It's it, But with that said, it's not that we just discount the other stats. Like, it, it, an ERA is an ERA. That's how many runs you gave up. Now, is that the end-all, be-all? No. Is expected ERA the end-all, be-all? No. You got to look no. at the whole picture, and context is important for every single stat. Like, you know, if Aaron Judge had 70 home runs in Coors Field versus 58 in Comerica versus, like, these all matter. It's all about context. It's all about where you play, and it's a big fumbled mess, and that's why we have the Just Baseball show to try and talk about it as much as possible. And another deal that I want to talk about, your Chicago White Sox. Let's talk about them. You're pointing at me. Yeah. No, I – listen, we just talked about a, a former White Sox getting a bag. I want to talk about a White Sox getting a bag, and I want to talk about a Cub getting a bag. I want to make this a Chicago-centric show. Um, we'll start with Benny because that deal came in first. Five years, 75 with the White Sox for Andrew Benintendi, and I think this works. Um, it is the richest deal the White Sox have ever signed a player to, which should tell you about the White Sox reluctance to spend – um, and the fact that it's Andrew Benintendi is hilarious because this is a guy that has zero impact on the baseball in this new iteration of Andrew Benintendi. But frankly, I'm okay with that. Um, he provides a dynamic that was so badly needed for this White Sox lineup. And it's almost twofold. He does something that the White Sox do, and he also does something that the White Sox don't do. The thing he does that the White Sox do is he puts bat on ball. He swings and he makes contact. The walk rate is not astronomically high. But this guy, when he swings the bat, chances are he's putting bat on ball. And that's what the White Sox do. They don't walk. They don't strike out relative to the rest of Major League Baseball. Like They are not a high K-rate team at all. Um, so he fits the identity in that regard. What he does that the White Sox don't do, hit right-handed pitching and play good outfield defense. <laughs> so I am very excited to have a real corner outfielder playing in the corner outfield. Um, I know Yoan Moncada is probably going to be the two-hitter on opening day, just for narrative, but if Pedro Grifal really wants to uh, stamp his name on the White Sox lineup card, Andrew Benintendi should be the two-hole hitter. It should go Tim Anderson, Andrew Benintendi, and I don't care what the assortment is after that. So... Um, I think that Andrew Benatendi matches well with the White Sox, right? They needed a guy like him. A lot of contact, doesn't strike out, gets on base. I get that. Five years, $75 million in this market, not terrible. Now, not terrible. would I have given it to him? No, I would have not. Will he perform well over this contract? Maybe. Do you know how many home runs he hit last year? And he's not a home run guy. But do you know how many? Six. Five. He hit five home runs last year. Do you know how many stolen bases he had? Like three. He didn't have three. He had eight. 
So he had five home runs and eight stolen bases, and he hit 304. Do you know what he slugged? Like 350. Okay, you're even lower than he had slugged 399. So that's not terrible. And we just talked about expected stats, right? Would you say that expected batting average is important to look at as well as your batting average? Yes, I know that his exit velocity was shit. So I will say that his expected batting average was in the 200s. 273. So we have a guy who hit 304 last year with five home runs, but the expected stats point to regression. And we also have when he was on the Yankees, albeit in a shorter sample, it was only 33 games, but the guy hit 254 with a 331 OBP. He's never hit 300 before this year um i mean he hit 320 in that first half with the royals but overall like benintendi has never been the 300 hitter he has been a 280-ish hitter i mean he's a 279 hitter for his career who hits between 10 to 15 home runs and when we look at the defensive metrics they're a little bit above average does that sound like a five-year 75 million dollar guy to you does it? You sound like a five-year, seventy-five million dollar guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it doesn't. It obviously doesn't, and that's that's the problem there. But in this market, yes, it does sound like a five-year, seventy-five million dollar guy. That's the that's the big problem here. Um, the market is the market, and if Andrew Benintendi was on the open market last year, he's not getting this at all. Like he's getting three years, fifty. Okay, okay, okay. That's fine, I guess. But I personally think it's one of the great overpays of this offseason. I really do. I think it's one of the great overpays. And that's in an offseason where Xander Bogart's got $280 million. It's in an offseason where Trey Turner got $300 million. I'm not calling those overpays. But what I'm saying is in this in this market, there have been insane contracts given out. And this one feels almost the most insane to me, even though it's for five years, 75 million. If we're looking at an Andrew Benatendi who's 26, okay, 26 to 31, give me that. 28 to 33, 29 to 34, he's 28 years old, going to be 29. This doesn't feel good to me. Now, the White Sox needed it. I will, yeah. But is this, I feel like they're overcompensating here. They're overcompensating for a lack of other moves. And they said, well, we have this money. Who's available? Andrew Benintendi. Let's just give it all to him. I feel like it's lazy work. It's lazy. I will uh, allow you to say that this is one of the great overpays in the offseason if you put it at three on the overpay power rankings. Number two is Xander Bogart in San Diego. Like That is crazy. That contract is crazy. Uh, and I think it's an objective overpay. And I love, love Xander, love him, but I think it's crazy. Uh, and then number one has to be a Ledmus Diaz in Oakland, two years, 14 and a half. Like that has to be at the top. I don't think it is. First of all, if you are, if you are a team, would you rather give 11 for 280 for Xander or five to, for 75 to Ben attendee? Shit, dude. That's like, I mean, it is six years. And $195 million more million for yep. Xander Bogarts. 
he's way much better than that. Like, I would way rather give it to Xander. Six for 195. Yes. Wait. For a 30... Yeah, for a 35-year-old Xander Bogarts, you would give a 35-year-old Xander Bogarts six for 195. No, but I wouldn't give this version of Andrew Benintendi anything more than like 10 to 15 a year. For like two He's or three 15 years. A year. It's for like 15 two... a year. Just feels like a lot. And maybe I'm I, I get it. I get it. I just um... what what player what player do you think you're getting? Like, give me a slash line for next year for Andrew Benatendi. Yeah. So 358, 493, <laughs> 612. 35 pumps, 50 stolen bases, the triple crown, and a World Series. All right. You're on island time. This is what I think he's going to give you. I think he's going to hit 280 next year with a 345 OBP and a 400 slugging with seven home runs and seven steals and play average defense. That's is that worth you, 15 million? Respectfully, you piss me off and I want to talk about Dansby Swanson. Let's talk about Dansby Swanson. Dansby Swanson and this is actually a deal I liked. Good job, Chicago. Dansby Swanson signed a 7-year, $177 million to play shortstop for the Chicago Cubs joining Nico Horner in order to create one of the best up-the-middle duos. If you're unaware of Nico Horner, you will definitely come to know him soon. He is a young player. He just put up a war over four with the Cubs last year, playing shortstop when we spoke with Justin Steele on a previous episode, who is a lefty for the Chicago Cubs. He called him the most underrated player in baseball. We've heard that from other players on this podcast, too, that to watch out for Nico Horner. When we were talking to Ryan Helsley, he called Nico Horner the toughest at-bat, or at least one of the toughest at-bats that he's had, and now you get Dansby Swanson. But the thing is with Dansby Swanson is there is a lot of hoopla of the fact of, is he worth this contract, right? Because Dansby Swanson on the other side has not, he's not a proven commodity like Xander Bogarts is or Trey Turner is or like Carlos Correa is. This is Dansby Swanson who had an amazing year last year, especially with the glove, but he's a very hot and cold hitter. Overall, he had a 116 WRC plus, which so he was 16% better than major league average with an amazing glove. And I think the glove is going to stick. I remember we talked about it on the show Colby and I, who is our analytics guy, you've heard him on Not Gambling Advice, you've heard him on this podcast, we saw the numbers of like the outs above average on, on certain balls in play, like backhand, you know, charging in on a ball, glove side, all these different things. And we're like, how did he get so much better? And it was clear we looked at it and, you know, we, we read some articles too about Dansby that he actively works on these things. I believe in Dansby as the workhorse. I do. I think that Dansby at his worst is going to be a league average hitter with well above average defense. You say that the arm isn't very good. Yeah, but it hasn't impeded his defense at all. Like I could understand, I guess, if he's 35 years old and and you want to move him or something like that, but I just don't understand that. The arm has not impeded his defense. He has a very quick release. He gets the ball over to first base, and it's not like he's losing runners. He's not making errors. The glove is still very, very good. And I like yeah. I like the bat. Like everybody's talking about 
you know, is he a league average hitter? He might be a league average hitter because he doesn't walk all that much. And I understand that, but you have to also remember that walks aren't everything. Guy hits almost 30 home runs a year. Back-to-back seasons with over 25 home runs. Steals over 15 bags. Drives in runs. Been there before. This felt like a good deal. Now, is it an amazing deal? Do I love the deal? Absolutely. No. I said that on a TikTok because I was looking at what the market and how I compare these shortstops to the rest of the market. But I, looking back on it now, I like the deal. I do. I think the Cubs got better. I think that Dansby Swanson is an above-average shortstop and an above-average shortstop in this market. Think about it. He got more than Javier Baez. I'd much rather have Dansby Swanson than Javier Baez. And this is even in a more accelerated market in terms of dollars. I like the deal. How do you feel? Yeah, I was thinking uh, he would be if this if this happened a year sooner for Dansby Swanson, he's obviously not getting this. I don't even think he's getting six for one forty that Story and Baez got. Like I, I think he's checking in a lot less than that. I think he's maybe a ninety million dollar deal. I think he might be looking at the Benintendi deal, five for seventy five. If this happened last year, so was this truly an a hundred million dollar swing of the season for Dansby Swanson? The signs point to yes, and I have a lot of yes or no questions that I asked myself after this. Um, was this more of a testament to the 2022 Dansby Swanson season as opposed to Dansby Swanson, the baseball player that he has been for his entire career? Yes. He got paid for a 2022 season. He got paid coming off of a 2022 season. But that's fucking baseball, folks. Like Aaron Judge... He got this money because of his 2022 season. He's not getting this contract if he doesn't have this year. That's the beauty of a contract year. You can put so much behind you. And think about what these guys do. Matt Flynn. Matt Flynn played like four good games, and he got millions of dollars committed to him, right? He was paid like a franchise quarterback after a couple of games. Dansby Swanson just got paid like a franchise centerpiece after one really, really good year that has been kind of worth this value. Now, do I think that Dansby Swanson will age really well? I do. I I think that Dansby will always be an incredibly smart defender and an incredibly smart hitter. I think that he can get even smarter offensively, and I think that he will only get smarter defensively. It's not like you get dumber over the course of your career. Um, I think that he is a presence that the Cubs so badly needed. And I also think that shortstop is a place that they needed to fill big time, or one of the middle infield spots is a place that they needed to fill big time. And Nico Horner is an exceptional defensive shortstop, but he is also going to be an exceptional defensive second baseman. And you can pair him with a guy with more offensive upside and as good at defensive numbers. And you've got all these bats coming up that are corner infielders and outfielders, and you've got all these starting pitchers coming up. The only shortstop I really see that could make an impact for the Cubs is Christian Hernandez, who is like complex, DSL and complex right now. He's not even in low A ball right now. So he's off. Like he is not, he should not be at the, He should not be a Major League Baseball at the start of the contending window. You need a shortstop. You need a captain. You need an anchor to be the lead guy, to be the shortstop, to be the two-hitter at the beginning of the contending window. And they just got the guy 
in Dansby Swanson. So overall, this gets a massive stamp of approval and two thumbs up. But I do think that, you know, they paid for what they just saw over the last six months. And it was a damn good six months. I don't blame them one bit. I don't blame them one bit either. Um, I am just tired of hearing Dansby Swanson, the one year wonder narrative. I just feel like that's so freaking lazy because. But, but, okay, but point to the other year that warranted this contract. Well, first of all, in 2020, I know it's a shortened season, but he had an 809 OPS and was at least fine with the glove. But remember, he's improved that every single year. And year over year, he keeps improving. Like, this is not a 10-year vet in the league. His first real season was 2017 and and then 2018, where he wasn't that great. He was a below-league average hitter. But then 2019, 750 OPS, starts to get rolling. 2020, in a short year, has a great year. Then 2021 has a slightly down year, but still hit 27 home runs. And we saw the improvement in the glove. And then he put it all together last year. He was second in Major League Baseball in F-War. If it's a one-year wonder, and if it was just, oh, he had one good year. No, he had one amazing year. Like overall, yes. he had a better war than Trey Turner, than Bogarts, than Edmund, than Adamas, than Seeger, than Bichette, than Correa. That's how good he was. And let's say he okay. let's say he drops two war. Let's say he drops two war from last year, next year, two, which is a sizable drop. He would have the same war as Corey Seeger. And Corey no. Seeger got 10 for 325. That's why seven for 177 seems like a good deal. Now, was 2022 not double his previous best in F4? It was. And that, but that points to the defensive, that, that points to him getting much better with the glove. And do you think that's going to get worse? Stay the same no. or get better? I just said, I yeah. just said that it's not going to get worse. What I will, but what I am saying is there is some validity to the one-year wonder thing. And I agree with you where it is not, oh, he had one good year and the rest of the time he sucked. It's he was always pretty good. And then this year he took it to another level and it it just so happened to be his contract year. Like he had a pretty good career and then he had an amazing 2022 and that's what bumped this. He's an $100 million guy. If he does what he did in 2019, hey, how about even 2020, right? Like he does what he does in 2020 over a full season. He's an $100 million shortstop. He absolutely is. But what pushed him from 100 to 177 is doing what he just did. Having his best year by far, literally doubling his career war best in a single season in his contract year. That's why he got that much money. So, yeah, you're paying for what he just did because that's how baseball works. That's how free agency works. You pay for what a guy just did. That's why Cody Bellinger's on a prove-it deal. It's on a one-year deal. If he was that's- paid for what he did in 2017, 2018, he's an $100 million baseball player. And that's why Aaron Judge was offered a seven-year, $213 million deal and then got nine for 360 because he had the greatest Correct. season or one of them Correct. in MLB history. So that is a one-year swing for Aaron Judge. He was always amazing, 
but he wasn't Roger fucking Maris until this year. And now we got paid like Roger Maris would get paid. You know what I mean? Here's also my thing is I don't see much regression here for Dansby Swanson. I don't see regression in the glove. I only see it maybe staying the same. Maybe he works on that arm strength. I think that's very possible that he could, he sees that could be a whole long term works on his arm strength. We've seen it before. Like if he improves on his arm strength, the glove stays the same and he puts up 25 home runs with 20 steals next year with a 750 OPS instead of a 776 OPS and plays great defense. He's going to be a five war player. That's one of the, if he, if he finishes with a five war, that would put him fifth in major league baseball last year. And this is some overpay. This is some bad deal. You can't tell that to me. I like Dansby Swanson. I'm a Dansby Swanson guy. But at the same time, what makes me nervous is I trust Alex Anthopoulos with every bone in my body. I think he's about as good of a GM as we have in our game. And I love the way that he has, obviously he hasn't developed players, but the development within the Braves system has been amazing under his watch. And they offered what's been reported a six-year, $100 million deal for Swanson. So they were $77 million off. That alarms me. Because what do they know that I don't? I'm not perfect. What do they know, right? But at the same time, how do the Braves operate? They're always going to lowball you. They offered Ozzy Albi 7 for 35. Acuna, 6 for 100. Or at least something like that. Even the Matt Olson, like there's a lot of these deals where they've always underpaid. So again, it's like, what do I trust here? So I'm going to trust what I think about how Dansby Swanson is as a player. Will he be a 6.4 F4 guy? Will he be the second best shortstop by war in all of Major League Baseball next season? Probably not. But would I be surprised if he's top five? No. Would I be shocked if he's out of the top 10? Absolutely. That's worth it in this market at 28 years old. Give me Dansby. Love it for the Cubs. Makes them better. But at the same time, Cubs have much more work to do. Let's talk about what this means for the Cubs. Because have you seen the rotation? Have you seen it? You've seen it. It's not that good. Stroman is the ace right now. You tell me what you think about that one. Kyle Hendricks. I like Justin Steele. And it's not biased just because he was on the podcast. We already liked him, and that's why we wanted to bring him on to talk to him. I was a big Justin Steele guy. We saw I was on bets with him all the time. I think he's a good left-hander. Adrian Sampson. It's it's not a great rotation, Jack. It's just not a great rotation. I might be forgetting somebody right now. This is off the dome. Tyone. And Jamison Tyone, there it is, who was the four for the Yankees. And, like, he was fine. And they paid a lot for him. I don't think that this Cubs team, even with the Dansby Swanson signing, is going to finish second next year. I still think they're years away, but I love – that the Cubs are spending money. They are a big market team. They owe their fans this. This deal makes them better. And I I like the direction that they are going in. I didn't love the Stroman signing, but this one, I like this direction. That's all I have to say on this one. They've got a they've got a lot of time buyers on the hill. That starting rotation is um a mix of guys that are on close to expiring contracts and young guys. So it is Stroman. Hendricks and Tyone at the top. After that, we're looking at 
Wesneski. We're looking at Steele. We're looking at Killian. We're looking at Adrian Sampson. We're looking at Adbert Alzali if he's healthy. Should maybe Keegan Thompson gets a couple of starts. And then who's coming through? Wicks is coming through. Hers is coming through. Kate Horton. Ryan Jensen. Franklin. A, more than I'm forgetting. Palencia. Although Palencia might be a bullpen guy. Um, like there are a lot of options here. Ben Brown. I forgot about Ben Brown. It might be a bullpen guy as well. Like they have quantity over quality of young arms right now. And I think that Wesneski is a quality young arm. Arm loves Wicks. Uh, I can't speak to whether I love him or not. I haven't seen him pitch live yet. Um, but every piece of data that I've seen on Jordan Wick screams he is likely going to be a good pitcher. Um, ben Brown, really hard. I, I think that he can be a really good pitcher. Palencia throws 103. Like, there are so many options here. And Tyone for four. Hendricks on an expiring deal that you can't move. Stroman on a close-to-expiring deal that you can't move. Like, that's the big problem there. So you got, yeah, those two cogs at the top, which makes top-end talent right now really hard to come by. But do the Cubs want top-end starting pitching right now? Like, they're not close to winning. I agree. Best-case scenario, they finish third in the NL Central? Yeah, which I think they will. They should. I mean, the Reds have done done absolutely nothing. And the Pirates have made a couple of moves, which we'll actually talk about in a second. Um, But overall, I think we both agree. We both like the Dansby Swanson signing. We're not in love with it. It's not the perfect deal in the world. But it makes them better. I think the market is about right for them. And the Cubs are heading in the right direction. And as a fan of the Cubs... That's the right guy for when the window is going to open. Exactly. And that's all you can ask for. What else do you want them to do? So, overall, very good job by the Cubs. And I'm excited to see what Dansby does. I'm a big Dansby guy. I'm a Dansby believer. Sue me. Yeah. All right? All right. We'll do rapid fire with some of the rest of these deals. uh, Because we had a bunch of them come in um, over the weekend. Hopefully, everybody had a good weekend. The first one, uh, the Twins signed Joey Gallo, and I want to talk about this one in conjuncture with Justin Turner signing a two-year, $22 million deal with the um, the Boston Red Sox, and J.D. Martinez signing a one-year, $10 million deal with the Los Angeles Dodgers. These three deals, these three deals are, it's almost like where these teams are. These deals represent these teams. Who is probably the best of the bunch? J.D. Martinez. Who got the least amount of money? J.D. Martinez. What team did he go to? The Los Angeles Dodgers. Joey Gallo got one year, $11 million. Actually, let's bring in the Michael Brantley deal as well. Who was who's the second best player in this deal that you'd rather have of these four? Maybe even first, Michael Brantley. Where did he go? The Houston Astros. Joey Gallo. They're looking for a bounce back. They love the big power. They love the defense. And they offered him one year for 11. Who would you rather have, JD or Joey Gallo? I know Joey Gallo provides that defense. I get it. But with the bat, I don't, I don't even think it's close. 
And we know that the Dodgers are close. Gonna, we know that the Dodgers are going to unlock more from JD. Noah Syndergaard said it himself. Everything that the reason why he took a short-term deal with the Dodgers is because he said everything they touch seems to turn to gold. And how can you doubt that? You can say, well, where are the world or the World Series? They did win one in 2020, and they're there every year, and they win 110 games in the regular season. Playoffs are random. Just because you didn't win the World Series doesn't mean you don't have an amazing product over there in Los Angeles, and that's what the Dodgers have. And then you have Justin Turner going over the Red Sox, which you look at the difference between J.D., who was on their team, and Justin Turner. J.D. is was better last year in pretty much every single measure. Now, let's not take it away from the Boston Red Sox. Justin Turner, in his last 60 games was awesome. He was a 300, 400, 500 slash line guy. But Justin Turner is only getting older. Now, Justin Turner, a lot of his value comes from being in the playoffs. Red Sox ain't making the playoffs. I'll say that right now. And I don't think it's a hot take at all. And maybe we can clip this when they're when they're in the ALCS and the Yankees are in third and everyone can make fun of me. But I'm confident right now saying that the Red Sox will probably finish fourth or fifth. And I don't. I didn't really understand the Turner signing. I know they just have to get players, but their plan with Turner is to move him over to first. You know, Dever still plays third or DH. Okay, so if that's the plan, why not JD? He's been there. It's been awesome for you guys. Fan favorite instead of Turner, and then you give him more. You give him another year. Try and make sense of all these deals for me. Um, it's tough. <laughs> You're on island time. I'm going to go four cups of coffee deep. We're on different kind of wavelengths here. <laughs> yeah, no, I can tell you you're caffeinated. Um, I've had a long day in the sun to yeah. a basketball game. I feel so bad. For uh, you. <laughs> I'm going to go. I'm going to go one by one. Uh, I'm going to work my way from the bottom to the top, I think. And I'll start with Justin Turner. He looks like a lot of people that you run into on the street in Southie. Um, I, I don't know if it's Southie or not. Like, I think he looks, he guy kind of looks like a a leprechaun. Like obviously Justin Turner loves Sam Adams IPAs that he screams Sam Adams IPA. I think this fits. I think it's a perfect fit. Um, I think he and the fellow leprechauns in Boston are going to have a great time. And that'll be that, uh, Turner offers this, I don't impact bat and perceived leadership uh, that I think the Red Sox need right now because it really does feel like they lack a direction and they've let their two faces of the franchise walk in the last three years. Um, And they're probably going to let their third walk in in a couple. I think Justin Turner provides this sort of like stabilizing force for the next year and a half, two years. In terms of the Gallo deal, he's so twins Like he's unbelievably Minnesota twins. Um, Just a guy that like is going to strike out a shit ton, hit some homers, play solid defense. And it's like, oh yeah, Joey Gallo's in Minnesota right now. Um, He and Jorge Polanco are in the same lineup. Great. (laughs) So that feels very Minnesota of Joey Gallo to be a Minnesota twin. JD Martinez and the Dodgers are perfect marriage. Like, Hands down, perfect marriage. J.D. Martinez, if he gives them nothing, the Dodgers don't feel it. If he gives them J.D. Martinez, which I do believe that he will give them, the Dodgers, again, paid somebody that no one else was going to pay this. 
after Justin Turner got more, after Joey Gallo got more, like we serious. So I had the same thought as you. I was like, JD Martinez is a guy that has perfected his swing. He's a guy that um, doesn't need to be changed by the Dodgers. And we've seen guys get changed by the Dodgers, whether it's pitch mix, whether it's mechanics, whether it's swing, whether it's body. Guys get changed by the Dodgers and they go on to great things. Andrew Heaney went from this guy's a joke to the Rangers got a great arm at Andrew Heaney. Tyler Anderson went from who to three years, 39 with the angels. Um, Noah Syndergaard is probably going to do the same exact thing. Like Syndergaard might just be pumping one-on-one again. I have no idea. Or he is five pitch mix carving and threading needles to get out of innings. And he'll get a three-year $39 million deal. J.D. Martinez is not going to parlay this into a big deal. But what I do think J.D. Martinez is going to do is hitting the six hole for the Dodgers. And you're going to say, oh, shit, like J.D. Martinez, like – there's no break in this lineup. He is one ninth of the no break narrative that the Dodgers lineup is going to have this year where Lux is going to be hitting ninth and Chris Taylor is going to be hitting eighth. But can JD Martinez is going to be hitting seventh. And you're like, wow, F us. We got to play the Dodgers this weekend. Um, and then Brantley, like just makes a lot of sense. Like they won the world series without Michael Brantley and Michael Brantley was better than some of the guys that they were running out. So yeah, that, those are my quick thoughts on those four. Here's what I want to do. Let's rank these four players, and then we'll talk about the money, and we'll show where these four teams are at. And I think it'll be indicative of the contracts that were given, and then to show what teams have their heads screwed on correctly. Okay? We have J.D. Martinez, Michael Brantley, Justin Turner, and Joey Gallo. Now, how would you rank them? I would rank probably, what would I rank? Number one. Number one, give me Michael Brantley still. Number two, J.D. Martinez. Number three, Justin Turner. Number four, Joey Gallo. Michael Brantley got $12 million from the Houston Astros. They're a very good team, and they know what they're doing. They saw the medicals. They said, all right, he's our guy. Why didn't the Twins? They needed a left fielder. They wanted the lefty bat. Why not Michael Brantley? They got Joey Gallo instead. Now, you could probably rank Joey Gallo ahead of Justin Turner at this age, I guess. But then that just shows where the Red Sox are. J.D. Martinez. You'd probably rank him second in that conversation. Maybe you'd rank him first. Where'd he go? The Los Angeles Dodgers. The Twins and the Red Sox are on one end of the spectrum, at least right now. And the Dodgers and the Astros are on the other end of the spectrum. And I feel like it was represented in these four deals. Is that fair? Yes, I do believe that's fair. And I, I think I would go J.D., Brantley, Turner, Gallo. But Gallo at the bottom. And I think Brantley and Turner are very close, actually. I think Justin Turner like could be two, could be three. Um because he's been so good, but I just, I don't know. I want to slap an expiration date on Justin Turner, and I just can't because it's hard he's, he's going to exceed that. It's hard yeah, to. It's hard to. Um, the only other deals that we have left, uh, the Pirates signed. Well, no, I was saving that for last. Okay. Austin Hedges signed with the Pirates. Five million no, bucks. I I, uh, one of the best defensive catchers in baseball. Uh, but hit 163 last year. 
Um, should help the Pirates pitching staff. Um, good job. Adam Frazier, Orioles, $8 million. Michael okay. Givens, Orioles, a dollar amount that I don't remember. Don't Those care. are baseball players, Jack. I'm yeah, so, no, they exist. I'm so disappointed in the Orioles, dude. Escalate the payroll, fat chance. Michael Elias, what? Come on. Yeah, bro. No, you don't call $8 million for Adam Frazier significantly escalating the payroll. But if you were an Orioles fan, wouldn't you be so upset? Yes. You know that the window was opening. The general manager says we are, or the owner, both, say they're going to escalate the payroll. And these are the moves they made. We were going to play a GM with the Orioles today. And guess what? We thought, what's the point? What is the point? I know I'm getting upset for no reason. I'm caffeinated. But I do feel yeah. this. I am upset if I'm an Orioles fan. They said they were going to do something and they didn't. And then they came out again and said, well, we're not really going to do these multi-year deals and they haven't been in anybody. And we haven't even heard rumors to the Orioles. They're just not picking up the phones. I feel for Orioles fans. I do. I still think that they're going to be better than the Red Sox, though. But that just goes to show they are that good and they didn't do anything. Dig deep, social media heads. On December 20th, 2022, what generates more clicks for the Baltimore Orioles? If they sign Adam Frazier or they sign Clint slash Jackson Frazier? What do you think? I'm not talking better player because one of them is in Major League Baseball and just got $8 million and one of them is not in Major League Baseball. But I'm talking generating more clicks. Yeah, but the Orioles are a social media outlet. The Orioles are not a social media outlet. They are a baseball team. I'm not saying that they needed to do it. I'm just saying, like, this guy is so boring. He's a 270-310-310 slash line, Adam Frazier. Like, I those are made-up numbers, Like, but he does not impact the baseball. No, he does not. He doesn't. I, I would prefer not to have him on my team. Yeah, I mean, it's it's like such a boring move, and I feel bad because it's so boring. Maybe he gives you the first staff that he did with the Pirates that one year. Maybe. Yeah, Maybe. we'll see. And then how do you feel about that? Like, great? Yeah, I guess. 60% uh, they... of Gunnar Henderson is better than 100% of Adam Frazier. Gunnar Henderson with a torn ACL is better than Adam Frazier. <laughs> yes, he is. He's Yes, if he has one of those fucking scooters in the batter's box, he's better than Adam Frazier. He's a better hitter than Adam Frazier. <laughs> Okay. Trevor May to the A's for seven million. He got double the amount of Brad Boxberger. Dude, I I don't know. I don't know. Uh that's bullshit. Trevor May is going does to the play, A's. Does he, he got he play a bat. Fortnite? Yeah. Does he play the show with what like a do? five ERA and he like he's a great personality. I actually love his stuff. I think he's hilarious. Sick pitching though. Shit. Pitching though. I don't know. Shout out Oakland, man. Aledmus Diaz and Trevor May. They're going Coach for got it. Brad Boxberger. Shout out you, Brad Boxberger. Oh. Love you, my man. Love you. Yeah. You've been a you've been a, a, a slightly above average right-handed reliever who doesn't throw all that hard, but gets outs sometimes. It's huge. Shout out you, Cubs. You get Dansby, who I like, you get Boxberger, who I love. Snaps all around. Now for the biggest move of the offseason. Connor Joe, Jack's guy, Jack's first love. 
is a pirate, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Big move. From minor league arm. How you feeling? Yeah. I feel so much joy internally. Okay. And I don't think that it's coming across on audio. So that's why you need video. Um, I'm as happy as I've ever been. Yeah. Shout out you. I'm like, if you can't tell by my facial expressions, I'm happier than I think I've ever been in my entire life. Yeah. Happier than the day I was born. (laughs) Um, I don't remember that day, but, uh, no, I am. I'm happy about it. I like Connor Joe a lot. You know, I love Connor Joe. Um, I think the narrative around him is really freaking cool. Um, I think that he provides ample value to a major league baseball team. And he did not hit the ball with impact whatsoever last year. Like he hit a couple of nukes in April and May, and then he went quiet this summer at Coors Field. How do you go quiet in the nuke department? Um, but he's going to bounce back. King Joe is going to be awesome. And if he doesn't and he comes to Indianapolis, I, I'm i not rooting for him to fail. But um, I'm not even rooting for him to get hurt and come on a rehab assignment. If he wants to vacation to Indianapolis during the All-Star break or take a couple of personal days and just check out the farm, I would love to show him the night of his life. Take him to St. Elmo's Steakhouse. And it's not like I have steakhouse money right now. But I would make it happen for Connor Joe. And and I'd say, don't look at the right-hand column where you see the numbers. Like, if something's 80 bucks, I don't care, man. Like, for you, anything. It's it's almost like, um, you know, if, if I could have a billion dollars or every connection on LinkedIn, I'd go with LinkedIn for the knowledge, Right. Um, that's how I feel. If I could have a billion dollars or one dinner with Connor Joe, I think I do I think I do dinner with Connor Joe. And I I tell him that he can absolutely get the ribeye and twin lobster tails. It's kind of like that uh Jay-Z thing. It's like, would you rather have a million dollars or dinner with Jay-Z and like anyone with an with bridges yeah. in their brain where Jay-Z. it's not smooth? They would choose the money, not you. Not you no. and your. I want knowledge. I want the knowledge that Jay Z can give me. I want to know how he built Rock Nation from the ground up, and I'm going to turn that million that you're offering me, that poor people money, into a trillion dollars. I'm proud of your smooth brain. Shut up. That'll do it for this episode of the Just Baseball Show. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed it. We will be back tomorrow. It'll be either be Arm and I, Jack and Arm, Jack and I. We're going to give you some combination of something, and we'll be back with more content here on the Just Baseball Show. Make sure to leave us a five-star review. If you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, let us know what you are enjoying. It definitely helps out the pod. Best way to support us is also to get your Just Baseball merch. And if you are watching on YouTube, hit that sub button. Hit that like button. Leave us in a comment of what you think that we've been talking about. You know, I've been I've been encouraged by the YouTube comments. We're getting a lot of love. There's obviously people who say we have no idea what we're talking about, but that's why we do it. To make those people. I want more hate. Back. Yeah, I like it too. We'll I be need back haters. Tomorrow. And with that, thank you, everybody.